0: bringing to us blessings that we need so desperately and with them the rage and storm is the answer to our
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Last night I spent a great deal of time in prayer. I met with our prayer group at the church and then came home and got into the presence of the Lord and then was awakened early this morning once more to come into the presence of the lord and so i come today and there's a trembling inside of me sometimes this happens after i've spent a great deal of time in the presence of god and i know it's the holy spirit and i want to say some things to you out of the presence of the holy spirit and from the word that will perhaps be uncomfortable for you. But I need to say it in kindness and in love and hope that it will give you an opening to come into the presence of God and be filled by the Holy Spirit.
2: Let's pray as we begin today. Oh Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, your name is Holy, and I'm coming according to your will and
1: asking that please, would your will be done over this city of Washington, D.C.? Would your will be done in the life of every
2: person who is listening?
1: Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, come with power. Come with conviction. And may these simple words today redirect the heart of your people who listen
2: into your heart.
1: Lord Jesus, thank you, I love you, and I trust you, and I wait upon you. Have your way today. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, what happens when
2: you serve two masters?
1: What happens when you love your life in this world and you're filled with religion, what happens? Our relationship with the Lord Jesus is a cause and effect relationship. If we seek him with our whole heart, he will be found by us. But if we don't, he will depart from us. And when he departs, all we're left with is religion, the forms, the theology, and the emptiness of prayers not being answered. Now, the great struggle in my heart for you is that I know that many of you who listen to this broadcast have never been deeply convicted of your guilt and your depravity. Or if you were deeply convicted, you ran from that and you received the word that your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And the presence of God never really came into your life and you were never really born again. You've never been crucified with Christ. The rocks of pride have not been broken up. The rocks of self, of ambition, of pleasure, of the love of money and the love of entertainment, the love of this world's gifts, they have never been repented of. They remain in the heart. And these prevent these prevent the roots of our life from growing deeply down into Jesus Christ. And so he becomes a formality. He becomes a Santa Claus, a rabbit's foot that we rub for good luck. We're pleased by the music of the season. We're pleased by the friendships we have. We're even pleased by how well we know all the theology and, and how we can preach to other people about how they should get as, as right as we are. But essentially, if you get a really honest, there's no power. Well, what's the solution? What do we do with this? Well, Jesus answered that question in the same passage. In verse 31, he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Now again, we need to go deeper into this word, his kingdom. This is not a geographic location. Now, you've heard me say that before, but stay with me. Listen to the deeper truth. He says, Seek first his kingdom. That is, seek first for the royal authority of God to be exercised over your life. Now, one of two things will happen when the kingdom authority of God comes over your life. First, if you are worthy, if you have felt the deep conviction and known the deep heartbrokenness of dying, of being crucified, if the rocks of depravity, of bitterness, of anger, of self-ambition, of pleasure, the love of money, lust, the lies, if all of these things have been dealt with, then in the kingdom of God, there will be abounding blessings for having come into Jesus Christ. And he will come into you. And he will dwell in you, and you will dwell in him. I'll show you the scriptures for this later in the broadcast. But let's say that you have never been truly convicted of your sin, that you have continued to walk in fellowship and friendship with the world and the flesh and the devil. You're very religious, but you love the professional sports. You love the movies. You love the dance. You love the ambition of your heart. You've never died. You've never laid yourself down on that altar and said, if it's going to be, it's not up to me, it's up to Jesus. You've never truly surrendered your heart and your time and your energy and your money. You still gain possession of it, and you consider yourself to be a Christian. Well, in that case, something else begins to happen in your life. Today, I enjoy the wonderful benefits of being an American citizen. And those benefits are many. But if I decide that I need more, and I take a firearm, and I go and rob a bank, what will happen to me? Well, the police will begin to search for me, and when they find me, they'll put handcuffs on me. They'll take me to jail, and then I'll have to go to court, and I'll be sentenced. That's how government authority is to function. So now, if you have asked Jesus to be your Savior, and you've made a covenant with him to be a follower of Jesus, and you have said, I am now a Christian, but you violate the kingdom of God, then God will put you in handcuffs, haul you before his court, and now he's going to sentence you to a time in prison. So there is either a blessing for being a citizen of heaven or there is a severe punishment for violating the principles of the kingdom of heaven.
2: So he says again,
1: Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. But what if you run after all those things, but you call yourself a Christian? What if you depend upon yourself and you're bitter and angry because God has not answered your prayer? What if it seems that everything is against you? What would cause this? Well, on one hand, you have the devil who is bitterly angry with any person who says, I will be a follower of Jesus Christ. It puts a target on your back. But as we know, a Christian cannot be touched by anything that is not allowed by God. And so essentially, now the kingdom judgment begins to come upon your life. Now, this is both for judgment. And it's also for maturity, so that it will force us to begin to recognize the true condition of our heart. And so, the first place Jesus goes when he is baptized is he is led into the desert to be tested and tempted by the devil. God allowed that. He would have died in that desert had angels not come and fed him. Now, please hear what I'm going to say to you. Every person who makes a decision that they will follow Jesus, and they are honest about that decision, you will be led into the desert. And you can die in that desert. If you do not respond to the kindness and the mercy of God, you may die in that desert. The children of Israel were called out of the world, out of Egypt, into not the promised land. They were called into the wilderness. Now, they could have made the journey from Egypt to the promised land, and perhaps as few as three days. But Jesus did not choose to take them the direct route because they had a slave mentality. They had a bitter spirit. They had unbelief in their heart. And they wanted to go to the promised land, and immediately they would have become entirely self-reliant. They would have forgotten the God of heaven who delivered them and they would have lived just as the Canaanites lived. They would have lapped up the world. They would have drunk the wine of the devil, and they would have been utterly destroyed. Now, the Scriptures say that God did not lead them that way because the Philistines were in the land, a very warlike people. And had the Lord led them directly to the promised land, they would have had to have fought the Philistines. And the Lord knew that if they were tried so severely, immediately, that they would have returned to Egypt as slaves. And so he led them to the Red Sea. The Red Sea was opened miraculously. They walked through it with water on both sides And Paul says that was a baptism. They were baptized. They've made a covenant to follow the Lord God of heaven. They crossed through the Red Sea, and when they crossed through the ocean, the Red Sea closed behind them. And now they're trapped because they cannot escape back to Egypt. They don't have the resources to survive the long journey in the dry desert. And so now in the desert, the book of Deuteronomy tells us they were humbled by God. They were forced to be hungry and to be thirsty, and they rebelled against that thirst, they rebelled against that hunger, and they wanted to stone Moses and they rose up in bitterness and anger against God. Then, as Moses interceded for them, and the mercy of God was extended to them, always, always, always hear me. God extends kindness to lead us to repentance. God extends kindness to us to lead us to repentance, to break up those hard rocks of bitterness, those hard rocks of the love of money, the hard rocks of ambition and lust and lying and stealing and slandering of bitterness and anger. He leads us into the desert to deal with the hardness of our hearts. And because we have agreed now to enter into the kingdom of God under the authority of God, he will bring upon our life both blessing and judgments that will be very painful because he wants us to humble our hearts before him And so he brought them the manna. He could have delivered the manna to the children of Israel on golden tables set with silver and crystal. He could have had the manna prepared in the most delicious manner. But that's not what he did. He caused them to go out into the desert and get on their knees and pick up the manna then take it home and grind it, or cook it, or prepare it. Just as today, the Lord gives us the blessing of a job, and we must go on our knees to that job. We must go in humility to that job. We must humble our heart before our boss and our co-workers. We must humble ourselves before the Almighty God, if we hope to escape the desert we're in. You're not going to escape the desert by stoning somebody. You're not going to escape the desert by trying hard. You are going to escape the desert only by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you will say, Pastor, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I'm not in a desert. I don't know of a desert. Then let me be very clear with you if that's your place. Your heart has either been made entirely righteous before God, and in that case you will know exactly what I'm speaking of today, or you don't have a clue. You simply came to Jesus for the benefits, and because you were afraid of hell, but may I be absolutely brutally honest with you? you don't know Jesus Christ and you have never been born again because he treats every person who is born again in the same manner. He leads us into a place of trial and of testing. He led Jesus there. He led the children of Israel there. He led Jacob there. He led Isaac there. He led Abraham there. It's the story repeated time after time through all of Scripture. And if you look in the New Testament, he did the same thing with the apostles. I could show you many passages in the New Testament that teach that we are led into the wilderness, and there we are tested and tried, because that is the place where the revelation of God comes to our hearts that we must be made righteous. Righteousness is the heart of the whole matter, the righteousness in your heart. You must be made righteous, and the only place you could be made righteous is in the fire of testing. Testing. And the way you respond to that fire of testing will determine whether you are taken into the promised land, heaven, or whether you die in the desert. And I'm terrified for many of you because I recognize I recognize that you have not ever been tried and tested in the desert, because you've never truly become a follower of Jesus Christ. Your faith has not been tested. You have depended upon your flesh. And so the scripture talks about, let me turn to it quickly, in the book of Matthew,
2: this is what the Lord says. Let me find it.
1: Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees, who are the super-religious, and the Sadducees, who are the super-wealthy businessmen. And Jesus knows their thoughts. And they're saying that Jesus is casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub. Jesus confronts their thoughts and he says in the 12th chapter of the book of Matthew, beginning in verse 25, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, He is divided against himself. Uh, Someone is trying to get a call to me, and our call commander is not quite working. So let's, let's risk and take the call. See if I can find... Hi, welcome.
3: Hello, Pastor Ray.
1: Yes, Zach. How are you? I recognize your voice.
3: <laughs> That's good, uh the testing that we go through and the temptations, if I may interject with what you're saying in agreement the 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 testings that we go through and the temptation that we experience is again, for our making into righteousness the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness of God is what molds us like we're a puzzle fallen to the ground. We allow God to remold us, to remake us into His image. But the testing and the temptation occur like the Hebrew chapter 3 and 4 explain, through resting. And resting occurs through reading the Bible every day. Through believing what we're reading as the gospel or the scripture conveys who God is. As we're believing and we go through the temptations and the trials, we are believing in God's word. We're trusting God. Yes. And it's resting from our anxiety, the way of man leads to death, so that the way of man is anxiety, because we're trusting in our own ability rather than God's ability to rescue us from temptations and trials. We try to do it ourselves through alcohol, pornography, or what have you. To bring ease to our lives, but what we don't realize is what we believe is ease is temporal. Yes. When we allow God to work out his salvation in us, that's the fear and trembling because we're waiting on God to fulfill his promises.
1: Yes. Zach that's the fear. Zach, thank you very much. I'm getting a lot of interference with your phone, so I'm going to let you go. But thank you, and God God bless bless you. you. Good to hear from you, Zach. God bless you. Our phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. If you'd like to call, you're welcome. I want to go back to what Zach was saying. It is resting. It is a work that God does. It is not a work done in the flesh. It is done as we read the scriptures and as we pray, but one very, very important part was left out of that. Probably the most important part was left out, and that is, as we are praying, as we are reading the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will uncover for us attitudes and actions that reveal that we are still walking in our own flesh desires, and these things have to be cut off. They have to be cut off. Every source of nurturance that is not of Jesus has to be cut off. It's as we come to terms with the reality of our behavior, the reality of our attitudes, the root of anger must be totally removed from our hearts or we will remain in the desert. And God will not be able to answer our prayers and he will not rescue us from the desert. That root of hostility and hatred toward God as expressed in our self-reliance, as expressed in our indifference, as expressed in our hostility to other people, as expressed in our dissatisfaction with our life, we then begin to find ways to satisfy ourselves, and these block the presence of God. I asked a young woman who was hungry for more of God. I said, are you watching television? And she said, yes, there is one science fiction television show that I'm watching. And I said, if you truly want Jesus, you must cut that off. And she said, oh, pastor, I'll be honest with you. There's no possible way anytime time in the near future I'm going to cut that television show off. I love it too much. It satisfies my heart. Well, here's a perfect example of a person who serves two masters. And the result is the absence of the Holy Spirit, the grieving of the Spirit of God from her life, And then she wonders why she has such impatience,
2: such anger,
1: such fear. Well, all of those flow out of unrighteousness. All of those flow out of not being willing to cut off the works of darkness in our hearts and in our lives. If we want Jesus, we can only serve one master, and we come under the authority of the kingdom of God, and the benefits of God can flow into our hearts and into our lives. The benefits are the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness. This is the fruit of righteousness, and it comes as the Pipelines of poisonous demonic activity are cut from our hearts, and we walk in peace with Jesus, and we covenant with Him to no longer give way to the works of darkness. Now, again, this passage in Matthew 12, verse 29, or again. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can rob his house? Well, the strong man is the devil, and the earth is his house. And if we want to take from him what he's stolen from us, we're going to have to tie him up so his power is not exercised over our lives. Now, how do you tie up the strong man? Well, I've heard the foolishness of the church for years, praying that you just bind and rebuke. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And he laughs at us. Binding and rebuking by an unrighteous person who is under the judgment of God for serving two masters Ends up with that person having no power. Uh, Let me speak to my producer for just a minute. Brother Kevin, I need a dark pen. I can't read your writing. The light isn't on it. But let's go ahead and take the call that's coming. Hello,
2: welcome.
4: Hey, Pastor Ray. This is Mike.
1: Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. I'm getting a lot of noise interference on your end. Are you in a noisy place?
4: No, I'm actually in my car driving, but it could be just, you know, with the weather. I don't know.
1: Okay, so speak up.
4: So, yeah, I just, you know, um, I've spoken to you in the past, and, you know, me being with TV and music, um, I wanted to ask the question with what you guys are saying today, because I've... I've been fighting that and wanting to come away from my ways. And one is now I've I've definitely come away from most of the secular. I don't watch any of that anymore. Now it's I feel like he gave me that passage that he says he's given me another way to relieve me of my temptation by maybe just watching Christian shows. I found a station that's nothing that plays nothing but Christian uh, movies. Uh, it's all you know, or or I, I watch Jimmy Swaggart if it's. If it's something that I have to have the TV on, if I'm not reading scripture, because for me, that's still being part of my habit. But I've gotten to that point. Does that still play? Is that still significant? Is at least leading me away from the double-mindedness where I'm, I'm singled out? Even with my music now, I don't go back to any of my rock and roll. A lot of the great music I used to listen to, I, it's strictly Christian music.
1: Mike, you're making progress, but you're still in the desert, and you're okay. still unwilling to lay everything down. And so Jesus has to keep you in that desert until finally you're willing to pay the price. And I praise God for his kindness and his discipline in our lives. Absolutely. And, and frankly... The quicker we allow him to bring that deep conviction of heart, and the quicker those rocks of pride and arrogance and self-reliance can be broken up, the sooner he can use us as a blessing in his kingdom to others.
4: Well, that's that's what I feel now as far as, you know, I definitely, for me, when I listen to you, I... I I want. I believe that that's true. I guess now I feel like he's he's doing it in segments because, you know, when I look at my work aspect, I finally hit the bottom with that with the company that I was with, and I told you about that a while ago. And now I've moved on to another job that has got me where, I I, I don't have that. Uh, I don't have a salary anymore. I don't have that comfort. So now it's just getting up every day, and it's almost like a daily uh, bread of just the job that I have, even the guy that I work for, we wait for calls to come in, and I just show up, and I only have four days with him, and it is affecting. Now I'm worried, but I'm trying to find the faith of just saying, all right, God, I know you're going to take care of me. I don't know where I And I'm trying to find out if I messed up here and not moving any further to make it worse without me not knowing that that door is being opened by him. Um, So I do feel like, you know, he has been hit me in some of that, you know, but then there's all, you know, cause I have so many things, the TV. So I feel like it's, he's taken it in segments with me, uh, with my attitude and my behavior, but he's, he's taken me further than I ever was. I don't know.
1: No, you're, you're speaking accurately for a person who's being disciplined in the desert and this new job that you're telling me about is going to try you even deeper and further. And the question Uh is, are you close enough to go to God and pray and have him answer your prayers in the physical realm? Can you change the physical realm by your prayer? And it tests. That's what I'm at.
4: That's where I'm at right now because that's what I am physically doing every night He's trying to get back to talking to him, but I can't... I'm not hearing, but I'm not... I'm not moving, but... Uh,
1: you're not hearing I, I him, Mike, don't... because you're still quite a ways away.
4: Oh, I know. That's, But I, I don't want to make it worse. No. Because my, my nature is, as most of our natures, is to self-reliance. I, I got to go out and I got to go seek another part-time job on top of this, which I don't know if that's a bad thing or not now, but I don't know if that's really what he wants me to do. I don't know if I'm in that... So I'm not adding anymore until I do hear from them, and I know I have to come back to getting in discipline, even showing up on Sunday with you guys. I know that I have to get back to that. That's I'm, I get. I keep coming back to that. It keeps saying, "Okay, this is means now I have to start. Are uh, you going doing your thing? You know you're away. Get back on track. Uh, does that make sense?
1: Yes, that's exactly the way it works. He will speak to us, more and more. he'll speak to us, and he'll tell us the direction he wants us to go, and then he withdraws, and he sees whether or not we will obey him. If we obey him, he draws us closer, and he speaks again.
4: Yes, that's where I feel I've been at for a while, this back and forth, but I feel like it's getting, it's narrowing closer and closer, because I can't afford to be, because every time I get in my comfort zone, like the... the Israelites did when they were in having their own, uh, self-reliance. I, I, mine has become shorter and shorter now where I don't, it's like he's slowly taking pieces off where I, I'm becoming more reliant on him when I say, all right, I'll give you a little bit and then I take and I give. And now it's like, all right, I'm getting to where I get it now. I'm a slow learner, but I'm starting to get it. God, I see where you're, you're slowly breaking me. It's always my self-reliance on you.
1: Mike, the whole issue centers in whether or not I will rest in Jesus and let him be my food and my drink and do exactly what he tells me to do. It is either his kingdom or the world's kingdom, and it's a very painful place to be caught in between because that's where we get pinched. Yeah. Okay, and, and the Lord, well, let me put it this way, Mike. We can spend our whole life struggling with the issues of self-reliance and the root of bitterness and anger. We can spend our whole life back and forth, or we can simply die out and allow God then to begin to use us to build his kingdom. We can't build it in our flesh. If the Lord does not build the house, the workers work in vain. Now, I know God has given you the ability to write incredible music. He wants to use that gift, Mike. But you've corrupted it with other kinds of worldly music. As you come out of that unclean music, you must spend time developing further and writing further the godly music that Jesus gives to you. The church is dying for the want of godly music today. The music of the church has been utterly corrupted until you can't tell the difference between a worldly striptease joint, a worldly place, and the church. We need once more godly music. So you can spend your whole life you can spend your whole life struggling to get through a few barriers, but if you'll just take the time and energy and rest in Jesus and let him bind this strong man by walking righteous with him, he will then transition you into a place of incredible use in ministry for his kingdom. He'll make you a fisher of men. Am I making sense? Pastor
4: prayer i've been asking for i have these that i'm sitting on right now and i don't know who to take them to to finish helping me to produce them in the right way
1: you take them to jesus
4: Asking, i've been doing that and i i see that now and i'm sitting on stuff but i don't i'm so i don't want to mess it up so i don't know who to go to well you ask Um, jesus
1: who to take it to and you're not going to have, hear an answer.
4: He not given me any answers. Of course I'm not. Him.
1: He's not going to answer you until you have cut off the world, the flesh, and the devil.
4: Understandable.
1: Okay? He's not going to answer you until you keep your covenant and you're in church every Sunday. I understand. If you don't regard the body of Christ and you're a lone ranger, the Lord's not going to speak to you except in reproof, And encouragement
4: and I know this and and I just do this out of and I know better that's the problem because I know you're right
1: all right Mike God bless you I am I am delighted to hear from you you've made my day and I'll continue praying for you thank you Pastor Ray thank you you're you're welcome bye
2: Okay, I was talking
1: again to the producer. He's a wonderful man, and I am so grateful he produces this broadcast. His name is Kevin Jones. Pray for him. Uh, He and his wife are wonderful, wonderful Christian people. God has blessed me with them. Our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. If you need me to pray with you today, call quickly. Or if you'd like to share and get counsel, call me quickly. I'm here for you. I know many of you have not heard these kinds of things spoken of before. The discipline of God the authority of God being exercised over you in judgment if you're walking in sin. These are the things we don't talk about in the modern church. We don't talk about sin and blood and discipline. and, But somewhere we've got to finally get real with God and with our own heart. I'm not willing to continue to walk in the worldly church. I want nothing to do with it. It makes Jesus want to vomit. It makes me want to vomit. I want nothing to do with the works of darkness. I want nothing to do with pride and self and self-sufficiency. I want only the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, I'm expressing today some hard truths. But the kindness of God is beyond all understanding. The mercy and the love of Jesus is beyond understanding. But he knows, even as you know if you're a parent, that children must be disciplined. And one of the most powerful disciplines for children i know of is called time out and if time out doesn't work then take away works okay you've done this you've not responded i am now going to take this privilege away from you and you're going to be grounded or you're going to lose certain items of clothing, or you're going to lose your telephone, or you're going to lose whatever it is that that parent knows is best to discipline that child. And unfortunately, many parents don't discipline their children, and they grow up. And then the police have to discipline them, and the courts have to discipline, and the jails have to discipline them because they were never held in discipline by their parents perhaps because they only had a mama at home and the father was absent, or the other way around. God has to discipline us that we would come to a deeply held conviction of our total depravity before God, that these stones of of anger and bitterness toward him, indifference toward him, these stones of of rage against others who don't conform to our expectations, these stones have to be broken up and washed out of our system, or we will never be able to enjoy the full presence of the Holy Spirit. It just won't happen. In Matthew, the twelfth chapter, verse 33, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. What fruit are you bearing today? What fruit are you bearing? Are you bearing the fruit of anger and confusion? and self-love, pride, and arrogance? Or has your heart been humbled? Have you renounced anger? Have you turned away from wickedness? And now do you belong entirely, completely, serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do you still serve both Jesus and money, Jesus and anger, Jesus and impatience. Jesus and you fill in the blank. Are you still of mixed mind, or have you finally sold out to Jesus, and you now only go where he tells you to go, you only do what he tells you to do, and in a humble way you serve the kingdom of heaven. What is the fruit you are bearing in your life?
2: Is it fruit that is good?
1: Jesus says to them, you brood of snakes, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken, for by your word you will be acquitted, and by your word you will be condemned. So what is the fruit of your life? Lord Jesus, I just plead today your blood over every person who has listened to this broadcast. Lord, I know you want a people who are holy and righteous, who rest in you, who have put their whole faith and confidence in you alone, Jesus, and not in their flesh, and not in the world, and not in the devil. Lord, come and rule over us. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Please go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find podcasts, you'll find videos, you'll find directions for where we meet and when we meet. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you in the name of Jesus. I'll talk to you soon.